but basically what we're talking about is the kingship, the lordship of God. You're listening to the Unspeakable Podcast with Kim, Kimberly, and Brandy. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Kim and I am joined as always by my co-hosts Kimberly and Brandy. So Kimberly, your 31st anniversary is coming up. Tell us what it's like to be married that long to the same person. Hey, you know, I'm really blessed, but I'm also really old. (laughs) No, you're not. Seems like a long time, but God has been faithful. He has been good to us and uh, we're really excited and we love to celebrate our anniversaries. Um, we've made this commitment to one another, and so we enjoy celebrating that covenant every year. And so this year, my husband is sacrificing greatly uh, for me and taking me to the ocean because <laughs> that's my happy place. Mm. So uh, he was raised at the beach, you know. He was raised in uh, the the Gulf coast so it's not as big of a deal to him as it is to this landlocked girl but anyway yeah so we're we're headed out uh so you won't be able to get a hold of me or find me for a few days and I'm okay with that (laughs) (laughs) I totally I'm 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 a little bit jealous even though I could hit the beach in just a couple hours if I wanted to but I don't get to have a trip it's always just a day trip for me until you know, official vacation time. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's what you guys do. You go to the coast. You go to your coast. So uh-huh. that's great. Yeah. There's me in the middle of the country, and it's like a serious effort to get to the coast. So then you have, you know, I'm definitely. It's not a familiarity breeds contempt thing for me because I never see it. So I'm like totally way overexcited <laughs> when I see the beach. Well, you know, I. <laughs> I get to go to it pretty frequently and I still get really stupid excited too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just something about uh, the size of the ocean mm-hmm. that just leads you to worship God and his greatness and how big he is. And I just really love it. And actually we were talking to some friends at a wedding over the weekend and um, they were like, yeah, well, you know, there's a big shark infestation where you're going right now. I was like, it's okay. I'm not going in the water. (laughs) 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 I'm just going to look at it and put my toes in the sand. But yeah, there was a guy doing a a paddleboard thing and they had 15 great whites surrounding him and the helicopter came over and said, Hey, you need to move back over to, to land you're surrounded oh so yeah our el nino brought in the warm waters so gotcha um yeah so the stingrays are close in and uh that brings in the great whites nice that sounds like a very adventurous trip you're about to have you know crazy things always happen when we travel so yeah that's right yeah last year when you were in paris when brussels happened or in france yeah. i guess so yeah so bombings tornadoes so we'll see maybe we'll have a sharknado oh dear <laughs> <laughs> we better get on to more important things what yes you well say, you know right? i mean that's what i was getting ready to say it's all under the lord's plan right for you to be there and that kind of goes into what we're talking about today which is sovereignty Absolutely. So even though you're, um, you may have to face a shark or two, that would be, even that would be in God's sovereignty, right? 
Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so Brandy, won't you kick off our our discussion here for us? We are continuing today to talk through some of the attributes of God. Uh, we've got a sort of series going on. We've got some interviews and things in between, but it is our conviction that we have to know our God through his word before we can know ourselves or know anything else and be able to interpret our lives correctly. Amen. And as we all bring soul care to the people in our lives, one issue or, or one set of issues that comes up a lot of times is fear, anger, worry, regret, things like that. And, and one of the ways we can help people get a handle on those things is by knowing God and specifically by understanding his sovereignty. And in that word sovereignty, you hear sovereign, which means king. So this is a, a big, huge doctrine, but basically what we're talking about is the kingship, the lordship of God. He's the creator, the king, the owner of everything he has made. And his will is the primary cause of all things, which brings up all sorts of questions in your mind, I'm sure, <laughs> that you're thinking about right now, and we will get to those. But God's will, he has ordained whatsoever has come to pass, whatsoever shall come to pass. Okay, so let's talk about a few scriptures where this this attribute of God is made clear and... Um... And then we'll we'll discuss how it applies after we fully discuss the attribute itself. So we have up before us Psalm 33, 6. It says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And then again in that same chapter, verse 9, For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. And then we have again in Psalm 115, 1 through 3, and this is one of Kimberly's favorites. I've heard her um, use this one mm. before. <laughs> it is. I love verse one. Yeah. Fabulous. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Mm. And And people can get... Uh, the idea, when we talk about God's sovereignty, he does whatever he wants. Everything that happens is according to his will. They can get the idea that we're saying that this is arbitrary on God's part or that he has an indifferent attitude toward his creatures that, oh, he's just going to do what he wants and, and, you know, whatever in the world happens to us doesn't matter. That's not what we're saying here. We know also from scripture that God cares for his creatures. And I'm thinking of Matthew 6, even the sparrows God cares for, how much more does he care for us? So these two things, God's glory and our good are not at odds with each other. It's just that God's glory and his will are the primary reasons for everything with our good being secondary to that. Right. Well, and when you're talking about his sovereignty, the things that he allows to happen are allowed by him. And he puts limitations on things. I'm thinking of Job, you know, and mm -hmm. 
and how Satan was roaming about the earth looking, you know, he was walking to and fro and he comes before God and God, God brings up Job. Have -hmm. you considered my servant Job? And Satan is allowed to test Job, but only to the limits that God places on him. And, And there are two different circumstances where more limits are given than the first. And so everything that happens to us, yes, is ordained by God, is plan, part of his plan and for his glory and our good, but they are also all sifted through his... I've heard this said before, and I don't know who the original person who said it was, so I apologize for not giving credit where credit's due, but they're sifted through his fingers of love. Mm. I remember that from K. Arthur first, actually. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's my first memory, too. But I'm... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it might be her, but I'm not sure. If she, maybe she was even quoting someone, like an old dead guy right. or something. Right. Yeah. It's funny because the other day I heard a pastor that I liked that I used to listen to. I brought up one of his old sermons and he said something I thought I came up with. It's like, oh, that's where I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that goes back to scripture too, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I remember several years ago, my, not my, the pastor that I have now, but our previous pastor went through scripture and laid out all of the things God is in control of. And he gave us homework for the sermon that was coming up. And we had to look up all these verses and write them out. And uh, some of the things that God is in control of is according to Psalm 145, 15 through 16, it says he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. So we're responsible to work for our food and to, you know, be good stewards of what God's given us. But our food comes from his hand mm-hmm. he talks about, um, in Psalm 135, six through seven. Also the, the weather is in God's control. So if a storm is approaching and you're tempted to be anxious about that, remember that even that is in your father's sovereign control. Mm-hmm. Um, God is the author. He's in control of our repentance even. And we see that in Acts eleven eighteen and Second Timothy two twenty five, and also, and this is a little bit more difficult to get our minds about uh, around, but in Amos three six it says, "Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid?" And then this part, "Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it?" Mm-hmm. So even those things that look wicked, that look evil in our sight, those those are tools in the hand of God for our good and for his glory. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that one, the Amos passage, it reminds me, my favorite sovereignty verse. I've said this before on um, other episodes, but I'm going to share it again. Isaiah 45, 6 through 7. And um, at the end of 6, he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light in creating darkness causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. The good and the bad are all under the Lord's control. That's right. Yeah, and and then that brings up the inevitable question, what about sin? Right. So here's my question. How does sin affect God's sovereignty or, or does it? And what part does God's sovereignty play in salvation? Well, as I was preparing for today, I found a quote from Steve Lawson that I thought was really good. And uh, what he said is, God is the author of the script 
that includes sin. Hmm. So we say, and this is where we have to be careful, but we say mm-hmm. God, God ordained sin, but he did not cause sin. That before the foundation of the world, God put this plan into place and nothing can come to pass that God did not will, but he is not the author of sin. So God's the primary cause of everything that happens. We are a secondary cause of everything that happens. So God ordained that even sin would happen, but the responsibility for that sin falls on creatures. Mm -hmm. And so those things, it's a little tough to fit into our brains. But as we've talked about before, we need to be somewhat comfortable. We need to be very comfortable with the idea of mystery. Yes. That just because something doesn't totally fit into our brain, how can God be both three and one? And he's not more one than he is three. And he's not more three than he is one. That's ultimately a mystery to us. And so we believe it because scripture teaches it, understanding that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So that's what we're asking you to do again today to understand Sin could not have have come into being without God providentially ordaining it, but the responsibility still falls on the creatures for that. I may be hitting the practical button too soon, but so when we when we talk about all things working together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose, then the all things includes the things that um the shortcomings that we have had, the sins that that we have committed, that God will allow those to work together for good. And not only that, this is where the the primary part comes into play that Brandy has so well mentioned is that and be conformed into the image of Christ. When Mm -hmm. that is happening, then God is being glorified. And so, so when we look at these things, um, all things, the the bad things, um, whether it's something that has been thrust upon us or by choices that we have made that are sinful. Um, we can all think of a sinful choice that we have made in the past, but we have seen good come from it. That's that's where God is going to get the glory when we shift that to, yeah, my sin was bad, but look how God God took it and molded this situation. Um, like we, one of the verses that we've talked about is, you know, who's the potter and who's the clay, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So um, in that clay, the these earthen vessels um, broken and uh, leaking out sin. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we know that God is using those things for good. Okay, so I had asked another question a second ago that we still haven't really covered. And since I threw it out there, I think we need to make sure we answer it. Um, What part does God's sovereignty play in salvation? God's sovereignty is the primary cause Mm -hmm. of our salvation. Romans 8, those whom he calls, he justifies, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the, the calling comes before the foundation of the world and those people will infallibly be justified, sanctified, glorified in that golden chain of redemption. And yet we're still responsible 
to repent and put our trust in Christ for the salvation of our sins. And again, those two things are not mutually exclusive. I used to use the word paradox for that, but J.I. Packer straightened me out recently, the words antimony, that you, it's hard to reconcile those two things in our minds, and yet they are so. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing too, Brandy, and you were on a roll, and so I didn't want to interrupt you, but when you uh, recited the passages on repentance, the word grant there is charis. That's mm-hmm. grace. That's gift. Those mm-hmm. are gifts that are given to us. And so it's like a two-sided coin. So we have the gift of faith that he has sovereignly given us, but the repentance has, is a sovereign gift as well as well. Mm. Um, and we, and we take that gift in, in faith that he has given to us. Like you said, uh, in Psalm 139, I think was one of the things that we talked about beforehand in going over this. Um, you know, all of our days have been ordained for us when there was not yet one of them. And that Mm. was my, um, version of that. But, (laughs) um, you know, that's, that's, that's a packed verse. It really is, right? Someone might choose to murder you today, but they're not going to murder you one day short of the days God has ordained for your life. Amen. Right. right. No, I, I think that um, two of the very best passages we can use to show the the sin and the wickedness of man being part of God's sovereignly ordained plan A. There is nothing but a plan A with God, the only plan he has. He's He's not reacting to our choices as we've talked about before. But in Genesis 50, the story of Joseph, his mm-hmm. brothers did all kinds of horrible things to him and, and they were going to kill him and then they decided not to and then they faked his death and they sold him into slavery and he suffered all kinds of things. And yet when he comes around to face his brothers again and in 50 and they're in uh, Genesis 50 and they're concerned, he's going to take retribution on them, which is what they deserve. But Joseph said to them in verse 19, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So (laughs) Joseph recognizes that his brothers are only the secondary cause of everything that happened to him. So then if we skip ahead to the New Testament, the greatest sin that could possibly ever be committed is the murder of the perfect sinless son of God. And we don't want to minimize because we understand that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That does not minimize the sin of the wicked men as they delivered him up into death. So that's the greatest wickedness, the greatest sin that could ever have been committed. But that sin is part of the plan of God, is it not? And so we go to Acts 2, and I'm beginning in verse 22, Peter in his fabulous sermon, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus 
delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Hmm. So you see the primary cause of Jesus's death being God's, God's definite plan and foreknowledge. But the secondary cause is the hands of these lawless men. Hmm. Okay. So then what are some problems that arise in our lives if we fail to fully understand the sovereignty of God? You mentioned a few of them at the beginning, but let's talk about the practical now. Well, if he's sovereign, they, they'll arise anyway, right? <laughs> That's true. That is true. But, well, specifically, I'm thinking of um, regret and the looking back on our lives or, or looking ahead to and having fear and anxiety and worry about the future, but also having fear, anxiety, and worry about the past as well. How do we, how does understanding the sovereignty of God help us with those things? In my life, I face that fear every time I go to counsel somebody. The thought is, what if I say the wrong thing? And what if I mess them up? Mm. And, you know, that in, on one hand, we do want to approach these things not lightly with mm -hmm. a measure of fear and trembling. But if I'm a good sovereigntist, if I understand the sovereignty of God, I understand that I'm approaching this person after having been bathed in the word and bathed in prayer and done everything I can to prepare, that's my responsibility. But knowing I'm not perfect and I may well mess up and God is sovereign over that anyway. So I do the best I can to honor him and I trust him with the results. He's in control. Hmm. Right. And you know, you brought up another thing and, and that is, um, to overemphasize the sovereignty of God, right? Mm -hmm. To right. to say, I, I've heard of Sunday school teachers in the past who say, well, you know, we're just going to have the lucky dip when we walk in on Sunday morning and mm -hmm. I'll just preach whatever's on my heart or whatever mm -hmm. the Lord lays on my heart. I've heard that phrase before. That's, that's overemphasizing the sovereignty of God and assuming upon God um, and not preparing and, and not not doing your what is your responsibility, which is coming to the table prepared, humbled, prayed up, studied up, that sort of thing. I don't even think that's a, I don't even think that's an overemphasis of this uh, sovereignty of God. It's just for, carelessness. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's just, right. um, to me, that's a low view of God's word. Yes. Uh, and bringing it to the people. But, you know, you're, what you're get the point that you're getting at it there's much to be to be gleaned from that where you see people who um say well why pray if god's in sovereign right right um exactly yeah okay why evangelize so so if why god's sovereign? why do those things kimberly why pray if god's sovereign because he tells us to okay <laughs> is that not enough yeah, well, and, exactly. and who's being changed? Right. That's, who's the one being changed? That's the point I Me. think that you're missing out on when, when you have this over, over emphasis view of the sovereignty of God. Yes, he commands us to, but you're the one missing out. You're the one who the prayer is for us to change. God, God's heart doesn't change. It doesn't need to be changed. 
Right. Well, and that brings us back to our primary cause and our secondary cause. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God is the one who orchestrates everything. God is sovereign, but he also uses means and we are a legitimate secondary cause. And, And we've used this example before, but as we talk about scripture, who wrote the book of Galatians, God or Paul? Yes. Yes, Yes. (laughs) exactly. So the same thing, does our prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much stuff happens when we pray according to James. Right. So yes, it does affect things when we pray, Mm -hmm. but we Mm -hmm. recognize God's the primary cause of everything that happens. Yeah. When he says in everything, give Thanks with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's telling us to do something. And mm-hmm. so there it's like you said, there's this mystery of human responsibility um, that that is there alongside with the sovereignty of God. Right. But the sovereignty of God, he is king. He is commanding. He is asking us to do something. And we do it because he is king and he knows what is best as he rules in our lives and in the lives of others. And then when we pray about these things that he places on our hearts or that we are convicted of, then because we are sovereignist and we do have a high view of God, if we have a high view of God, then who will we give the glory to? Right. To him, all to him. Amen. it all goes back to him again, the primary, mm. the chief. So not only does this work out well, according to our, our fears and our worries, our anxieties about the future, but as Kim brought up a little while ago, our regrets mm. in the past and, uh, an article I found from our friend Rick this morning, uh, it's, it's entitled Eight Ways to Think About Your Past, Those Things That Happened to You. And at the bottom of the eight ways, there are 10 things to, to see our past serving redemptive purposes in our lives today. So some of those things are our paths were, or, or our pasts were a path to Jesus. They were a blessing from the Lord for our good and his glory. Those bad things in our past we wish didn't happen. They help us relate to strugglers. They motivate Mm -hmm. us to keep changing. They encourage us to tell others how they can change. They make, make us appreciate the grace of God. They give us a greater hatred for sin. So can you see how all of those things, and there are more, I don't need to read them all. We'll, we'll put a link to this article, but all of those good things come out of your past. And so if your past has more power over you than the gospel, maybe you're not being a good sovereignist. In fact, I'm certain you're not being a good sovereignist. You know, when we, when we're looking at different things, when we're studying different things, uh, when, when the girls and I get together and we say, okay, what are we going to talk about next? You know, I am not a singer, but songs always come to mind because music makes an impact on our hearts. And the song that just kept coming to my mind was good old Isaac Watts Mm. and (laughs) one of the old dead guys. And the, the hymn that he wrote 
was, I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at God's command and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord who filled the earth with food, who formed the creatures through the word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed if I survey the ground I tread or gaze upon the sky. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known and clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care and everywhere that we can be, thou, God, art present there. Amen. All right. Well, this morning I was um, I was on Facebook and I saw if you guys don't know who Emily Tomes is, and I I pray that I'm saying her last name right, and you the, are. the yes. H is supposed to be silent. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you don't know who she is, she was she is a former lesbian who has come to faith in Christ and has an amazing mm-hmm. ministry, um, and and she's just rock solid. I love to follow what she says, and she's very eloquent in what she says. So today she shared a status from, from herself from 2011 before she came to know the Lord. And she had just said, you're the closest to heaven that I'll ever be, which was a a line from a country music song. And today she shared what God impressed on her heart. And I'm just going to read it because I believe that it speaks so much of the Lord's sovereignty that it's a good place for us to end. She said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Theology should never come from country music, but this notion is a fitting one here. Praise God he intervenes. Praise God that despite our most sincere desires and even prayers aren't the ultimates that come to pass. Praise Mm -hmm. God that though man plans his way, God establishes his steps. Because of his will, not the will of man or of the flesh, he has mercy on whom he has mercy. Lord, make me to remember that my desires, however sincere, and be they had by me as a lost person or as a believer, are so very fickle. I can't see ten feet in front of me. You see it all. You know it all. If you open doors, you do so for my good and your glory. If you close doors, you do so for my good and your glory. Make me to remember that you are always good and that your ways are always best. Remind me that whatever this life brings or doesn't bring me, an eternity with my Creator awaits. Heaven, not a substitute for it, awaits for those who have repented and believed. I shall not want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love ending our episodes with Brandy having a having a little praise fest. <laughs> Sometimes just time to shut your mouth and worship God. Yes. Amen. Mm. Okay. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk with you again soon. Enjoy your coffee. Unspeakable is a ministry of rickthomas.net. Visit us and check out our other great content 